Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Milzoff, Deputy Features Editor at Billboard, Broadway fan all around here. And if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, it's a new year. There's a lot of new Billboard on Broadway to come. But if you've never listened before, this is a great time when you're just staring out the window at bad winter weather if you live near New York or if you're just getting back to school or back to your job. Uh, a great thing to do is to listen to past Billboard on Broadway episodes. Uh, in the past year, I got to have so many of my favorite creators and actors stop by the podcast, from composers like Jason Robert Brown and Joe Iconis, to perennial Broadway favorites like Sutton Foster, to the casts of exciting new shows like Be More Chill, which, by the way, is coming to Broadway in February. Hooray! So I wanted to start the podcast in 2019 on a festive note. Who doesn't like festivity? And what says festivity better than Cher? She is a multi-talented musical icon, the kind of Billboard legend we love to talk about here, uh, with six top 10 albums on the Billboard 200, 12 top 10 hits, uh, and uh, four number ones on the Hot 100. Uh, but she's also the kind of artist that we theater people especially love. I mean, if you just look at her outfits, you know this woman knows the full meaning of theater. Uh, but from her inimitable sense of humor to her filter-free, outspoken attitude to her killer voice, she is totally a show person through and through. And her life in music is the subject of a new show, which is called, well, The Share Show. Now, whether you're a new or a lifetime musical theater fan, you know that so-called jukebox musicals can be controversial. They can go really right or really wrong, depending on the subject and the story. But I have basically been telling anyone who will listen that The Share Show is one of the most all-out fun, totally delightful shows I have seen in quite some time. It brightened a really gross, snowy New York night for me when I saw it at the end of last year. And that was thanks in large part to both Cher's amazing life story, a great subject for a show, uh, her great songbook. There are so, so many hits by Cher that you probably don't even realize exist. Uh, and the three talented actresses who play her at different points in her life. All three of them, Stephanie J. Block, Michaela Diamond, and Teal Wicks, came to the podcast recently, along with their sonny, Jared Spector, to talk all things, and I really mean all things, Cher. You fucked her. 
First, I need to know who all the people at this table with me are because we have like multiple incarnations of people. It's it's, it's very exciting. Who are I'm you Stephanie and who do you J. play in the Block, show? <laughs> and I play Star. I'm Michaela Diamond and I play Babe. I'm Teal Wicks and I play Lady. I'm Jared Spector and I play Sunny. Easy peasy. <laughs> but before we even start to talk about the share show, I have to say I love the show before it even opened because of the marquee transition moment. Oh, did you, sure. did you, so good. Did you yes. see when it was, America, when it was Angels pitches. in America, Let's Do This Vision? <laughs> that was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that, that wins some sort of prize. Uh, it set the tone very early on. Yes, yeah, social media <laughs> loved that little moment. <laughs> well, I, uh, I saw the share show on kind of like the saddest night as far as New York winter weather goes, period. I was like slipping and falling all over ice. It was that like ice rainstorm oh. about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I felt like I was like, I had like dinner beforehand one block from the theater and was like, can I make it one block to the theater? <laughs> but it was, it's so much fun. And I, you know, I feel like these shows about living artists are hard to get right, but it has like, it has a lot of fun as a show and it has, I think just the right tone and I um, am I haven't seen a show like this where every time each person opens their mouth the audience like audibly gasps and is like oh my god they sound so much like her or him as the case you get like the most audible gasp Jared I think I think that's just the the way that this that particular song is set up so well you know that's like a Rick Ellis trick he did the same thing in Jersey Boys by the time Jersey Boys gets to Sherry like everyone can't wait for it because like 40 minutes in and in this show it's the same thing by the time you get to I got you babe it's been 30 minutes and everyone is excited to hear it yeah it's like this sort of of mood in the room changes. It's it's a lot of fun. So when you all heard about this show as an opportunity, like what were your first thoughts? Did you immediately think, ah, yes, like singing a share is something that I'm qualified to do and that like feels right to me? Or um, how did it kind of come to you and how did you decide like this is a project that feels like something I should do? Um, I was in the midst of doing falsettos. So it came to me about December of 2016. And um, at that juncture, it I graciously, I was excited for the project, but it didn't feel right for my life, the timing, what I was juggling at that point. Um, then a little more chatter happened. There was a reading, apparently, that went over like gangbusters in January of 2017, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Um, uh, was approached uh, again, and the idea of it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I just, for some reason, my spirit wasn't ready to jump into what I thought she needed and what the project needed. Um, and then I had a dinner with Jason Moore, who kind of... Uh, set me straight and put my fears to the side. And I think all of that was post-traumatic stress disorder from playing Liza Minnelli as my Broadway debut (laughs) when I was a younger gal in my 20s. And so that, I felt like I had checked off that box and I met that challenge and it was a really tough, you know, road to hoe at that point. So when Jason then started to talk about the concept and there being three shares and it being kind of spiritual and we can talk to each other and there was a whole layering that was happening to this show that I was not aware of when I kept saying no thank you I wish you all the luck no thank you and then something clicked for me a couple of little like divine things in my life for example my daughter her first long uh, song that she learned was uh a dream is a wish your heart makes. And it was the first song that Cher sang. So there were little things that the universe kept dropping in my lap that I kept saying, 
okay, I hear you. I'm going to try, and I could fall right on my face, but let's just get in a room where I feel safe and, and try it. And things, magic started to happen with the creation and finding her. And so here we now sit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not know a lot about Cher. So when this kind of came to me, um, I was joyously going into the room, but I was about to leave for college in a week and a half. So I know I was going to Carnegie Mellon and I was more than excited about that. Um, And so this opportunity came, went into the room, and then once I got the call back, I was like, okay, well, now I want it. <laughs> and so um, did a lot of research on her, and the only thing I really knew about Cher before going in was Burlesque, which was the only movie I have on DVD. I must, must have watched that movie with my mom, like... 28 times. I was going to say, like, it's by the way, totally so great thing to know Cher from. <laughs> I mean, it's, so, it's such a good movie. Um, the more you watch it, the better it gets. Too. Like, I'm giddy talking about it. Um, and so I loved her in that, and I just kept falling more in love with her through the audition process. Um, and once I got the offer for the lab um, and got in the room with these people who I had like looked up to for years, being like a nerd for musical theater... I was like more, I was like, well, this is right. This feels absolutely right. (laughs) Now we are here. (laughs) Um, I was the last person on board. Um, There have been a lot of developmental uh, processes and moments. And I, earlier this year, and I'd heard about the show and I was like, oh, cool. Of course, there's going to be a share musical. Great. Go get them, people. Um, (laughs) Not even, like, nowhere in my brain was I like, oh, I should do that. I mean, I kind of was like, I mean, I guess I could do that. But, I mean, I would be able to try to do that. But, eh, whatever. It hasn't come my way. So, let it be. And then earlier this year, near the beginning of the year, my just my agents were like, hey, so they're uh, still looking for the character of Lady. And would you go in? And I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, of course. Because I don't have anything else lined up. And, duh, you don't, you don't say no. <laughs> So going in, really knowing nothing, nothing about the show. I didn't even know who was really in the show yet, who had been cast. I had no idea what was going on. And as soon as I got the material for the audition, it it was so weird. As soon as I started singing some of the songs, I just was a moment that it clicked. And I was like, holy crap. Oh, I sound really good on this. Oh, and I really <laughs> like singing these songs. And these scenes are really grounded and interesting. And I get this woman and... It was just, it all kind of just clicked in a way that doesn't always happen in our business with mm. roles and shows and characters. And luckily it just kind of worked. And I, the auditions were great. Everybody in the room was wonderful. And, you know, they would have the tape and would send it to share. And my my final callback, Jason, our director, I was talking to him and he was like, "I'm, we, we want you, we want you. Cher's still a little iffy just because she takes her a long time to really get on board with new things. I think anyone who says, yeah. I'm going to play you in your life story, may take us a little time yeah. to get on yeah. board yeah. as to who might play you. She's, she's entitled to think about yeah. it. Yeah, I think so. So I was like, okay, this feels so right. I love this character, and I'm not going to blow it. So I, for the first time ever, I bought a wig for an audition. I got a long black straight wig because mm-hmm. this fair-haired, this fair-skinned redhead doesn't necessarily scream share. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to lose it just because I look a certain way. And so... I was so embarrassed walking. I wore the wig the day before around town just so I could get used to being out in the world with looking like that. 
Um, and I was so nervous about running into people I know <laughs> in the, in the, at the casting office beforehand. But it was great. It was really fun. And it all it. just kind of, yeah, it was worth it. So it was, that was sort of my first step in being like shared, taking bold risks. But mm. she does. She doesn't shy away from the bold choice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad it worked out. You wore the wig. It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I like three years ago, I did a concert with my wife, Kelly Barrett, at 54 Below. And in it, it was all about musical marriages and musical married couples. And of course, we had to cover Sonny and Cher. And so I really didn't know a whole hell of a lot about them beforehand other than, you know, stuff everybody knows, like I Got You, Babe, and Do You Believe in Life After Love? And, you know, the hits that like are just part of Americana. And if you're, you just have to be deaf to not know them. <laughs> so, uh, but then my wife made me watch basically every single episode of the Sunny and Cher comedy hour. And that was three years ago. So by the time a year later, I got that same uh, offer that uh, Steph was talking about for the reading that happened in January, 2017. I was like, oh yeah, I got this. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't overly confident, but I felt like, wow, I've already done so much of the work wow. for this that I would have then had to cram into two months. So then I went in and I felt pretty good. And then um, I, uh, thankfully, they, they sort of passed me through and Cher approved of the, of the project. And then we, you know, we kept working on it. And it's been a, a real joy ever since. And I have to say that, you know, listening to each of the three women talk about their particular stories and maybe their particular insecurities is just, um, it's nice to be able to sit here and objectively say how fucking unbelievable each of them are. And to be able to watch each of them just blossom and be amazing night after night is um, is a true privilege. Come on. Thanks, brother. <laughs> it's true. I know you guys thanks. don't like if you do interviews, just the three of you, how, you don't get to say that. But I get to say it. It's just such, a, <laughs> such a pleasure. Thanks. No, I mean, I think the three of you really come across as individuals on stage. And I don't feel like I'm watching like three women who kind of look like Cher. And therefore, they're <laughs> singing a Cher or they sound exactly like her. Uh, although at certain points, it's kind of frightening. But <laughs> um, I mean, I think for people who haven't seen the show, it would be great to hear a little bit about, you know, the individual moments in Shara's life that you're embodying and sort of what the distinguishing things about your particular characters are. As star, I am the eldest incarnation. Um, It's interesting to say not sure what perhaps chapter I'm playing because I feel like since I'm playing like from 40, 50, 60, I have to know Babe's journey and I have to have Lady's journey or else my character is empty. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to do a a beautiful and massive amount of homework to make sure that my star share was full bodied, understood their paths, our paths together um, to look back on my life and nurture and lift and guide. And so if the audience, like they said, hadn't seen it, um, it's interesting because we don't necessarily do it linear and just Babe takes the you know first third and lady takes the second third and then I end the show that's not the formula to our show at all we interact with each other we speak to each other it's almost we've referred to this before as therapy it's like <laughs> therapy but for share we're constantly in each other's heads and that was a portion that I absolutely loved if we had to break it down I start taking over essentially at the end of the share show and also when she decides to move to New York and become an actress and then hence forth you know starts doing movies and the music career really starts to blossom and so I guess 30s 40s and on 
Yeah. And also you got the most insane wig, I think. <gasps> Which one are you referring <laughs> to? Yeah, like, how many? I, like I have 12? I have eight, eight wigs, Sorry. but 12 wig changes. Yeah, throughout the show. I think maybe show. the one you open the show with, that's it's like all the crazy like, 80s yes. curls. And she wasn't like that to begin with. Cher brought her team on. And um, so Chuck LaPointe, who designed our wigs, and they're exceptional, and there's a lot of them. But then uh, Cher kind of brought in her people, her makeup, and wig artists so Francesca and Serena came in and and that was one of the beasts that got a makeover is that first wig wow that's amazing (laughs) no I was gonna say that it you know when you talk about how much the three of you interact it does sometimes feel like the share comedy hour amongst shares Uh sort of like there's so much like banter amongst the three of you that I think that's part of the humor of the show is is seeing that when it happens and not knowing like what time we're in but Mm -hmm. like exactly feeling like you're inside her head a little bit um, anyway, yeah. You play. <laughs> um, I take her childhood and um, through up until she starts to do the Sunny and Share Comedy Hour. Um, so like nineteen ish, um, and then Teal takes over. But uh, it's cool to embody that part just because it's so much of who Star and Lady are. Like I get mm-hmm. to start their paths, which is really fun and. Um, uh, it was great to kind of have Cher on board for a bit because she was always, like, reminding me how shy she was. And that's so much of, like, what our show is about. And um, the the core of it is that she is just this shy human who um, kind of keeps confronting these these huge opportunities and really taking them and making them great, like, big and great. And um, it's cool to... It's cool because I feel like I'm in a similar position. I like get to be on Broadway every day and I'm like scared shitless, but <laughs> I do it. And that's a cool that's a cool feeling every night. Another thing that Michaela gets is this love affair with her mother that Cher truly has this gorgeous respect and love for her mom. And you get so many of those scenes mm-hmm. played by Emily Skinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a beautiful yeah. foundation that you set. And that yeah. relationship really has an arc throughout the whole night. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we worked on that that relationship for a long time. I think mm-hmm. that was such an influx relationship. Um, and And to be able to see what it is now in the show is so special because she does have this like resilient um, and supportive mother who is in her life every step of the way. Um, and and to show that when Sunny comes along and when Sunny leaves and to show that she's always there no matter like what stage she's mm-hmm. in and she gives her room to grow and also is there when she wants help. Um, it's a it's a really cool relationship and it's one I'm proud of mm-hmm. because we've worked really hard on it for the last year to figure out what it is and how to how to show that to people in and and you know my section in four so, scenes right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay lady uh, I basically what's interesting about sort of the way that our show works as far as the three shares how we sort of each take over the storytelling it's kind of like because we are, it is not linear and we're in and out of each other's heads and um, in each other's and have scenes together. But as far as like the storytelling in the timeline of Cher's life, we sort of whenever there's kind of like a wall that she sort of hits, that's a new, it's basically like a new version of herself. Like we sort of, our director was kind of talking about like the rings in a tree when there's like a big event, the tree then has new, develops a new ring. And that's sort of like how we sort of tag in and out. 
And Lady takes over basically when, so Sonny and Cher, so Babe has had the Sonny and Cher stardom of like being these musicians and singers and being these huge hit singers. And then now they're having a lull in their career and trying to figure out what the next step is. And Sonny is like, hey, let's work on this comedy bit. And so Lady sort of takes over in the, the like, okay, we're making a transition from just a singer into a comedian and a little bit more of an actress on stage as well as singing. And so I carry that through like the development of the Sunny and Cher comedy hour, basically to the end of that and sort of the, as the marriage of Cher and Sunny is sort of like dissolving. And it's the big part in her life when she becomes a legit household name. They are in people's living rooms on a weekly basis. Everybody's watching them. She's becoming this, a different type of star. She's not, she's in the forefront. She's, people are watching what she's wearing. She's developing this relationship with Bob Mackey that goes on, that's still going on in her life. He's such a huge part of her life and helped develop sort of this iconic person that she is, that the, that the public sees her as, you know, and, um, and she really, she's really trying to also find, I think, cause she always says she wants to be famous Babe says that in the very beginning, and even Cher has said that to us. Like she, she was talking to me about her relationship with Sunny, and that she was like, "I wanted to be famous. I didn't know necessarily know how to do these things, but I knew I wanted to be famous." But the work got really hard when she wasn't having fun anymore because the work life relationship balance was really <laughs> suffering because her and Sunny were just nonstop. They were doing the TV show all week, still going to Vegas and doing all these shows. Literally seven days a week, every hour was basically filled with some sort of work um, engagement. And she just and she has a child. She's trying to raise a child. And this this beautiful, fun relationship that Sunny and Cher created when they were young is slipping away. And mm-hmm. she's not quite sure what to do with that. And yeah, so then their kind of relationship is starting to dissolve. And the next step for her to do is figure out how to be a solo artist, how to pursue her own career with just herself, without Sunny. Um, and that's sort of when Star starts to take over because that's sort of the next, like, big traumatic event mm-hmm. in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, listening to you all talk, it sounds like the woman herself and the story is really, like, a hu- the huge part of the appeal of doing this. And I have to say that seeing the show and... You know, just to take one example, seeing how she was treated when she had the much younger boyfriend, which mm-hmm. I don't even I vaguely remember, but I think I was a little too young. But I re- but my friend who I saw the show with was like, oh, my God, it was like all over people. And I remember when they were mm-hmm. on TV together, seeing how she was treated is, is just like it feels like ancient history to think that a woman would be like ridiculed the way she was for having a younger boyfriend. I mean, it's like unthinkable these days. But she's very vocal in saying almost every choice she made, because they're big and they're bold and they're made by her heart, it was laughed at. It was judged. It was scrutinized. And that's another theme through our show. It's like, regardless of how much you laugh at me, this has happened my entire life, and I now have thick enough skin to move forward. Doesn't mean it doesn't affect me in many ways. Doesn't mean I'm not going to hurt a little, cry a little, then learn and move forward forward but that is the beauty of Cher we never say she's like reinvented herself she's just constantly been there and is one of the most resilient people you will ever meet yeah no she is I mean she really is a trailblazer in so many 
ways. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think that we have to talk about the music. And I have certainly never heard so much share at the same (laughs) (laughs) the same place at the same time. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I I know. Yeah, Yeah. it was. It is one of those shows where you sit there and you're like, oh yeah, that song too. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, when you when you approach the vocal part of this, all of you. you know, how do you, where did you start? What are kind of the signatures that you keep in mind? And then you presumably go and make it your own a little bit too. You know, how do you take it from not being just an impression, but being recognizable enough that you get the kinds of reactions that you do when people hear you sing? Um, I did. It's interesting because her sound, finding that singing voice, I think I can speak for all three of us, was easier for the songs. It's something that you can listen to over and over again, start to parrot and repeat, and then you can mold in order to have it service your character and service the story you're telling. The speaking voice was very different because there's only about two or three places in the show that are verbatim, one of which is the winning of the Academy Award for Moonstruck, the Sonny's eulogy, Infomercial. And the infomercial. (laughs) So, again, not from start to finish verbatim, but the lines have been pulled. Other than that, trying to find her unique sound, which is totally like anybody else. It's very singular. Her diphthongs, the way she says certain vowels, how she kind of slightly goes up at the end of sentences, but not making it sound like a question mark. Like, it was a real, a real dance for all of us, (laughs) I'd say, for the last year. Um... And you're right. I mean, you don't just want to repeat what's already been recorded by Cher. We are, we'll be the first to tell you, we ain't Cher, and we know that. <laughs> so we had to find our own voice within this sort of essence and energy and understanding of what we knew the audience was going to expect and still stay true to ourselves as actresses. Yeah. So that was the balance. Um, now, there are some songs that are just done right. So, you know, I listen to Turn Back Time. You think I'm going to make some stylistic choices? No. I mean, it's Turn Back Time. It's kind of perfect. It's the way we start the show. We want the audience to drink it all in and believe that I'm going up. believe that I am, you know, one of the shares for the evening and driving the bus and want them to feel comfortable and safe for the next two and a half hours. Um, Again, at the end of the show with Believe, Mm. I wasn't going to do anything greatly different with that. But then there are these great nuggets that help the story, one of which is The Way of Love, um, which is a beautiful song, and I love it so much. And it's just this small, intimate, but all emotion and all Mm -hmm. sentiment. And um, to stand in a without any sort of fancy lights or costumes, just in a white T-shirt and denim jeans, to sing that song on Broadway is extraordinarily special. And I do try to put my own spin on it. And I hope people can see that, yeah. you know, Michaela's in there, Teal's in there, I'm in there. And yet somehow the big protective mama bear umbrella will always be Sherilyn Sarkeesian. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing that helps a lot is... That because it is a musical, some of these songs have to serve a purpose of forwarding the story. So we're approaching some of them songs as as storytelling songs, not just I'm going to stand here and give you a concert version of the mm-hmm. song. So that gives you there are because we have worked so hard. There are certain you know consonants, vowels, little bits of the songs that sort of are locked in in our share sort of version of the sound but then you can let go of some of that and just try to really tell the story of the song to get through to the scene to the emotional place that it needs to be and I think that helps a lot I hopefully ground it and not make it just like 
were doing impersonations mm-hmm. of Cher. Because there are people who have made brilliant careers out of doing an impersonation of Cher. And it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And there's no way we're going to attempt, attempt to do that. Because we don't want to. That's not... We're actresses. We want to... We're drawn to this woman because of all the complexities of her and and how the ugly things and the beautiful things. And we want to try to try to as best as we can get all of that. My daughter is on the way to impersonation, though. She's she'll be <laughs> four next month, and she goes, "Do you believe in love after love?" <laughs> no. Oh, she's giving you full love, not oh love. God. Yeah, she's on her way. I see a good career there. She's on her way to Vegas right now. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think I have a similar path in, 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 insofar as the singing was easier than anything else. I mean, you listen to I Got You Babe enough times and just keep singing along with it until you can't quite tell the difference between your voice and the voice in the recording. I mean, that's basically what I did. His voice is super nasal, so there's no way around it. I mean, it's all it borders on caricature, but I'm a trained singer, so it's just finding a way to sound like him without some of his sort of pitchy imperfections and and I knew that there are certain beats in the show that have to be done as authentically as possible in order to serve the show's function so something like I Got You Babe has to sound the way it sounded to everyone who heard it for the first time in the 1960s who are reliving that moment because that is a big part of the reason to even do these shows is mm-hmm. is nostalgia and I don't say that with any derogatory coming I mean really genuinely you see people hold each other's hands and sing along and people putting their heads on one another's shoulders I mean there's a reason to relive these moments uh, but then Sonny is a real person <laughs> so uh, there's a big difference I think between the Sonny and Cher comedy hour persona that we know especially of Sonny because he was such the big clown and then the more relaxed version you might hear in an interview or on some of their there's a couple of tracks of them just talking there's a track on one of the, on their best of album called hello and it's just the so two of them good. sitting at a piano and he's <laughs> a terrible pianist and just playing chords and they're talking for like three minutes and it's such a different sound <laughs> so finding that version of him the behind the scenes version to balance this sort of you know clownish onstage version of him and being able to do both of those things so that the audience understands this is a real person who then puts it on for the show within the show that we're watching was was some of the fun and the challenge of him and he's also from you know he's he's got this weird accent he's from the midwest but he grew up in southern california and he also has like the slightest southern twang but then he also has this almost like new york like northeast hustler energy mentality it's it's sort of this weird <laughs> amalgamation of vowel sounds and, and energy and just trying to find but he also like you and if you watch him this is that he leads with his crotch so it's like there's a lot of that there's just no way around it you watch sonny bono i mean he really does so that's just trying to blend all those things into one actual person was the fun and not even the challenge the fun of it he does he has a lot of confidence for a man with a haircut and like stature that he does truth oh my god i mean his outfits the clothes that that man would wear holy crap like yeah, you have to be so have so huge balls just to be like leads with his crotch yeah leads with his crotch it's brilliant yeah oh my god some of those jackets i just saw a picture of them from london and he was wearing what looked like Remember when Luke Skywalker kills that ice monster in the beginning? Of course, of I remember Astra? that. It looks Jared. like he made a jacket out of that. That's what it looks <laughs> yeah. like. That's what he wore. That. Because that. that's what a Southern California person does when they uh, go to London. Right. They put on all the fur. They're like, "It's so cold here. I'm gonna wear seven layers of fur on my feet, on my head, on my back." Truly. No, I mean when you see Sharon and Sunny first meeting, and he comes across as such a baller, and you're like, "Really? It's really the way." Okay. Yes. Like, I guess the ladies went for that. But. 
I mean, Jared, like you've you've had a very unique career in terms of like playing artists on stage before. And I was kind of curious to hear how the different roles you've played have sort of led you to this point, like what you've learned and sort of the pitfalls you've learned to avoid in portraying someone who is a living or close to living artist. Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I just do what I'm hired to do. So I wish that I could say, oh, well, I've chosen this path, but what I get hired to do, I do. Um, and I think that the big, I think one of the big pitfalls, and we've already sort of gone through this, is not to do an imitation. This it's not it's not a documentary. It's not a movie. It's it's you know it's it's a theatrical representation of these people's lives. And so you know it was interesting when I did Frankie Valley. I was stepping into someone. Someone else had created the role. And so and that show you know for better or worse was directed within an inch of its life. I'm talking about hands on mouth at a very specific moment. I mean it was it was really specific. So it wasn't until I played Barry Mann that I had a little more flexibility. And he was also a real person, but just not as well known. Mm. Uh, Frankie obviously you know everyone knows the sound of that voice. And if you don't hit those marks in every single song, then people will say he doesn't sound like the guy. So that was mm-hmm. that was the big challenge there. Sonny is almost the the biggest challenge insofar as he was a music star and a television star, and people know everything about him, physicality, the way he sounds when he speaks, when he sings, when he moves, and everything about that. So again, you know, just trying to find a way to authentically inhabit that without doing an impersonation. And um, you know, I learned watching Jesse Mueller play. Carol King, you know, people would always come and say, God, she sounds just like her. And I would think to myself, you know, she sounds a little like her. But what she really is doing so incredibly well, what she did, so, is embodying her. her. That's right. The vulnerability and the, the passion and the way that she would sing. She, and, and, and hitting certain markers. That's another big thing is like, if you can do five or six things that sound just like that person, you're forgiven for a lot of the rest of it, of coming close or doing, you know, a fairly accurate mm-hmm. portrayal. Uh, and then, and now, you know, getting to watch these three all the time and knowing and watching what it is like to, to you know, to... Um, to do a version of somebody without doing an impression, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of and growing and learning with them as they do, you know, I'm trying to reflect back to them my version of Sonny with their versions of Cher. And I have to interject because he will never say it, but Cher loves Jared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she loves his embodiment of Sonny. She loves his physique, of which Sonny never had. <laughs> There's a bedroom scene where Jared is, you know, without a shirt, and she makes note every time she's there. Well, Sonny never looked like that. Where's Jared? <laughs> Sonny didn't look like that. <laughs> so that needed to be said. <laughs> and I'm glad it was said here. <laughs> That's adorable. It is, it is really, really. And she's also very honest in saying, if Sonny were to walk through that door right now, there is a bond, there is a connection that is undeniable and would still exist today. She can't necessarily define it, mm-hmm. but they are impassioned and forever entwined, even past you know, death. It's really something that she speaks of, mm-hmm. and her entire being changes when she speaks of Sonny. Yeah. Wow. Well, I was going to say that it, it sounds to me like she has been very closely involved in the production and offered thoughts and advice but I that's just my perspective as an outsider like how has it been to work with her and what has she been sort of contributing to the development of the show um let's see well when we did that two-week workshop back in like October 2017 she came to that she wanted to come early and meet us all before um it was a fluorescent lit room much like the one we're sitting in and we all knew we were about to play share for share sitting five feet away from us in this sort of lighting so it, it was interesting I must admit, I hid. I went upstairs. I hid. I don't 
I didn't think I could meet her before presenting, um, but she definitely wanted to meet us all before. She was gracious. She was lovely, and she had tears streaming down her face. She was holding her... Um, I, I can only guess friends, yeah, whether that posse. be her she posse, was she was holding their hands. <laughs> um, but then we didn't get any feedback necessarily that exact day. Uh, but then the notes started to come in for Rick Ellis, our writer, Jason Moore, our director, and of course the producers, Jeffrey Seller and Floaty Suarez. Then that would kind of filter into us. Chicago, she was present for, well, again, through emails and text messages and whatnot, all of her information, all of her notes were coming through creatives and producers. We, the artists, got to see her for three days consecutively when we were in Chicago. Um, she was very present for those performances. She was very articulate in what worked for her and what did not work for her. And then that, of course, was informed what the next sort of version of the script looked like. And then it went through many incarnations then. Then we got a huge influx of um, share probably two weeks before we opened, yeah, three weeks that. before yeah, we opened. Right. So the closer we got to opening, mm -hmm. I think the more vocal and the more sort of, um, she knew it was coming. So it was like, this was the time to say something. It's now or never. And she really embraced the now. And she was present and she went through, you know, all stages of emotion and being vocal about what she needed for her to feel safe and comfortable. And, you know, we had to honor that. I mean, it's called the Frickin' share show, <laughs> as well as, you know, if you're going to just look at it logistically, she's a producer. So mm -hmm. her voice is, it not only is, you know, above that of Jeffrey's or Floaty's or it, she has emotional investment, financial investment, a lifetime of investment in this show. So in a lot of cases where you might freeze a show, which for the listener, if they know or don't know, that means no more changes. Once we freeze this show, it is what it is. We had that understanding. It didn't happen for us until opening night. Whoa. Yes. Because um, <laughs> she was living through her life while watching it. And she would focus on one part, and that's what she could speak to. And then I'm guessing that the next time she watched, it was another part that she could speak to. And so incrementally, we were getting these changes. Um, and you have, we had to honor that, for sure. That's, well, so that's cool she was very incremental. So yeah. yeah. Is there anything that she said specifically to any of you that was incredibly like illuminating or that really kind of changed how you approached a scene or a song or anything like that? She speaks a lot about her struggle as a woman in this industry mm -hmm. um, that, you know, in the 60s and 70s, you did not you were demure. You were the pearls and the sweater. So for her to even just be herself was kind of an Huge act. Deal. Yeah, it was an act of defiance, just being who she she was innately. Um, and then, of course, as Teal mentioned, the clothing and Bob Mackey's designs, that was another act of beautiful but defiant presence. Um, she speaks a lot to uh, being there for her kids and being torn, which I can say as a mama, it's the same thing, trying to find that balance between profession and personal it's the age-old, you know, conversation. Um, and she did share, I think, personal things that, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to keep as a little bit of nugget. One yeah. thing that I do have that I love is uh, with every character I develop, I um, wear a certain scent. And so I asked mm. her what she wore. And she said, well, I have my perfume uninhibited. And it, you can buy it on, you know, Amazon or eBay or Macy's <laughs> or whatever. And then two weeks later, I got a teeny little vial of a new bottle that she's developing now. And so really? I'm wearing what 
she's wearing, which is very special. And actually, in the, the, the opening night where she came on stage and she embraced us all, she hugged me and she goes, oh, you smell like me. <laughs> so that was really great. It was really, really great and something that really does, it's around me, it surrounds me when I'm on stage, that it's her smell. That's cool. It was really cool when she went on stage. I watched the uh, tapes that oh, yeah. made it onto the it interwebs. It was a special experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember she sat on my couch like probably a week, maybe less, before opening um, and was giving me notes. And she had said, um, like, you're, you're so much like me just sitting here. Um, so, like be free in that because you don't have to do much Mm. um and Mm. that was that was freeing just because um I think we for the last year we have made so many decisions with our creative team and with our scene partners to be able to um show this story and the story being the priority not the impression not the whatever and for her to say that like I was and it wasn't about the voice it wasn't about the look it wasn't about anything it was just that I was enough and mm-hmm. I, I, I you can be free in that was um was something really special to hear I liked like that that gave me a lot of motivation for the next week to, <laughs> to pull it out because it was a long one <laughs> well that actually makes me think which I hadn't realized before that to be working and portraying someone who's not just a singer but also an actor and kind of understands what it a is to be an well. actor yeah. and a director yeah. um I mean what she's telling you must have so much more weight and sort of make m- more sense than just having a singer who's like do this as me right <laughs> she she really does she can pick out a specific line and say let those words speak for you you don't need to emphasize xyz mm-hmm. yeah. so mm-hmm. she was very specific about yeah. certain things that she saw or heard that didn't ring true to her yeah Oh, my turn. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> if you have anything. No, to I mean, it was because we all had kind of like moments where she like had little one-on-one moments. And um, I just, she talked a lot about Sunny because I'm portraying this kind of very Massive difficult chunk of their relationship. And, you know, we have these kind of fight scenes and... And it's, I mean, I know that she's a ballsy gal and she's, it's so funny because she's fairly soft-spoken and, Hmm. and has kind of a very, um, uh, like lower temper, uh, tempo of, of just kind of that she just seems to speak in and whatnot, which seems so counterintuitive to the persona that she puts out on stage. Um, but she's just, it's just so nice to, to spend time with her to see how, in her body she is and how demure and she told me she was mm-hmm. like one thing she was saying she's like everybody thinks I'm so tough mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not really tough and it's she's, just so you think she is but she she knows how to put on an armor and that's where mm-hmm. I think the clothing and also I think she's been an actress from day one because she knows how to present herself in a way that makes the world see her in a way that she necessarily is not inside. She's an actor. She's been she's been acting these different types of versions of herself that people have fallen in love with and have really like really zeroed in on and been like, oh, that's iconic share. That's iconic share. That's right. iconic share. And it's but when she refers to herself, yeah. it is it's demure. It's soft. It's feminine. Yeah, sure. It's the bouquets that come from her are light pink and whites and like the <laughs> softest, most beautiful, almost like a baby shower or something yeah. arrives at your door and you go. 
these are from Cher. And that's <laughs> so interesting to me that that aesthetic yeah. is what she sees herself as rather than the leather and the stones and the yeah. skulls and the, mm -hmm. it's, it's a real dichotomy. And I think that's what makes her so amazingly beautiful is she is both. She mm -hmm. really is both. That's great. Well, I, I have to ask about the costumes and mm -hmm. I just like I feel like I want to know what it's like backstage at the show and like Jared, are no, you, you like, don't no you do not like, want to know that. Like, <laughs> no. It is, like, I can't even imagine like the quick changes and the amount of like double sided tape that's involved. Like. No time for double sided tape <laughs> no. because because the 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 lines change so much. You have to be like our underwear is very selective because it might show, <laughs> and true. you don't want to see that. It's, it's very true. Brazier, it's not a choice. Yeah. Pantyhose leave lines on your midsection, so you can't wear. It's yeah. really wild yeah. what Bob needs to see and needs not to yeah. see. And there's a lot of not going on, you know, in the show it's a very and backstage. Free show under it the really, really is. I've yeah. people in oh. changes that are following other dress. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. And you're just standing there and, you know, these teeny I'm little like, It's yeah. so nice to meet you. You're seeing my tits for the first time. What a business. <laughs> what a business. I mean, no, I'm. What business when you meet someone no. with like what your tits? No, what we do, no. No. Yeah. What we do would not be applicable or, or acceptable in yeah. any, any other oh, industry. I have, no I have a costume that is happening on stage with mirrors, mirrors around me around with a full audience. Bare, I have a. I have covered maybe to my neck yes. and I have to strategically place myself and I drop down to just my thong yeah. and I'm changing shoes I'm changing all these things and there's all these actors around me our, our boys that are playing like the dressers they're acting around me being like do you need it this really do you need this it really has tested our wills yeah. of you know any sort of it's modesty and I gotta tell you is a middle aged woman who has fed people with her breasts and like giving birth it's been a thing like it was a real thing my first costume fitting i just thought this is not gonna work bob i mean i don't have the physique like well nobody does she really is an otherworldly yeah. type of creature um but yeah i just didn't know how this was gonna happen and he's a genius and he works on your body your form and the sequins will lift what needs to be lifted and covered what needs to be covered and mm. hidden what ne and it's really like he's painting and sculpting yeah. on your body as he's creating for you in the vein of share but for you yeah that's, well, everyone here, Jared included, the, the abs in the, in, the, in the collective abs here are impressive. Uh, <laughs> I am doing butt tucks right now as yes. we. Oh yeah, just came it's happening. <laughs> oh. oh my god! No, I mean, like you, I feel like you have. There's so much weight on you opening the show, Stephanie, because it's like the first look at Cher. It's like the first ab display. It's the first like cleave going on. Oh, yeah. it's, like, it's a lot. To, yeah, it's a to lot to carry on your shoulders. She's not starting with like you know a. Jeans and t-shirt, like, hey, Cher. Yeah. She's like one of the most iconic outfits and that I is literally say, like Stephanie was not fully on board no. with this whole opening <laughs> no. a while ago, and I remember discussing it, and like all of us were petrified. But you're you're exactly right. That first moment is a huge deal for the audience. It sets up the rest of the show. And to now see the audience just go crazy every single time, and I'm so for you to finish that number, yeah. it, it's really, it's actually so cool for me to see a mama have that journey of just true terror to like. Owning so there's the that. shit out of I, it. I, I just finished that number, yeah. and it rocked because everyone's, you know. 
completely on board for the rest of the show. She really drives it. Yeah. Thanks, right. McKay. You're welcome. And, um, and having Lassie and Stephanie in her falsettos costumes, it's like, it's a big jump. I'm used to comfortable shoes. <laughs> comfortable <laughs> shoes, like sort of jazzercise, like moment. Culottes seem to be what I usually wear in my characters. Not this one. Culottes. <laughs> the knees are going downhill from here. Imagine what will be next. Well, I have to, Jared, I feel like you're the new hero of Broadway. Um, speak, speaking oh, for Kanye, yes, here it comes. With your moment. Yeah. We, we are at Billboard. I have to ask about this moment. I, you're like the new Patty Lapone, I guess. I, that's meant as a compliment. Um, <laughs> no, so I just, I kind of would love to hear about, the, you know, the opening night atmosphere. There were a lot of famous people there. And sort of, you know, what's going through your head as you, as you send this tweet. And the, the reaction was, you got a good reaction. So how did this all happen? Um, I certainly didn't intend to be Patty Lapone. <laughs> Nobody that, ever does. No, that definitely, <laughs> that definitely was there. not part of uh, <laughs> any part of my uh, train of thought. Um, no, I, you know, I think that um, it's just, I think if, if anything good came of this whole thing and it did seem to turn out okay and, and he was respectful in his response and they were wonderful at the end of the show and they were standing, if it serves as any kind of a sort of a PSA for people to, I mean, especially, you know, in 2018, to, to know that we can see you in the audience and especially, you know, it's a dark house and if there is a light on your face, we can see it. You're not at a film. You're not at home. You know, you're, you're right in the audience. And if you're fifth row aisle on opening night, you know, we, we can see you. So that's really, I don't, I don't know that much needs to be said since it's been liked 67,000 times on Twitter or whatever it is. But like, I think that, you know, that, that's, all that, that's all that needed to, you know, to come of it. And I'm, and I'm really glad the way that they responded and the way that they, they, they mm. both seem to have enjoyed the show so much. And that's really ultimately what, what matters. I, I admit that it was slightly impulsive when I wrote it. I, I feel like I'm I maybe I'm just totally out of the loop. I didn't realize what a huge Cher fan Kim was. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, it makes she's total totally sense, yes. but yes. she's worn her outfits for Halloween. Yeah. She mm-hmm. loves her. Yeah. yeah. She sure does. But who is, I mean, <laughs> I mean is Kanye? I have no idea what Kanye's stance was on Cher until no idea. Kim got in his life, but, you know. But if you start really, as I did, delving into those YouTube videos, you will be a major fan of Cher. Oh, if you just yeah. have heard her on the periphery and you go, oh yeah, Cher, I know her. Yeah, she's a pop culture reference, of course. But if you do one Google search and start to watch an interview with Oprah, which then leads to another video, which le- by the fifth or sixth video, you will be a diehard fan. Yeah. There's something so contagious and authentically raw, and yet she's just a unique figure. I don't remember the first time our director said it, but uh, Jason Moore... Uh, called her a planet. Oh yeah, <laughs> she has this huge gravitational pull. Yeah, she does for every human that she comes in contact with, or even through a screen, and it's it's remarkable. It's one of her superpowers. We always talked about it in the room, and we were always yeah. trying to the find her superpowers. Yeah. I like the, the idea of planet share, mm-hmm. and also of a share spiral on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a big well, fan of a spiral. I mean, six decades of work. She has like touched on so many different types of music, so many different fashion styles, like. There is literally something for everyone in the share like, genre. genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm obsessed with one of the one thing I love about this. What the share show has given me in my life is that I now know the Sunny and Share Comedy Hour, which just cracks me up. <laughs> and that sense of comedy is so specific and of such a very specific time that I was I'm too young to have experienced. But that and then some 
some of her albums from the 70s, that Are music. Fantastic. Oh my really God, fantastic. I love it. Great gym albums, everybody. Great gym albums. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many. And their covers of songs were so cool. Oh, so oh gosh. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had no idea that, that they originally, they did the first Bang Bang, that Sunny wrote Bang Bang. I know that song, the like the Nancy Sinatra version so yeah, well. Yeah, me too. I didn't realize that either. love Sharon Sunny's version, and I'm like, what? Yeah. They did it first? Yes. Real well artists. done. Yeah. I was going to say, Jared, are there like share songs that you secretly wish to break out on? Oh, uh, I, I honestly, what's funny is, um, is Dark Lady was always kind of like my favorite uh, share song, and then so I got to sit, yeah, it was a gift <laughs> yeah. to get to sing it in the show because every it's just sort of dark and creepy and cool, and it's I don't know, you know, it's like her dark, weird version of Love Potion Number Nine or yeah. something like you know, yeah. it's it's so cool. I love that song, and so when I get to sing it in Act Two. Uh, you know, that's that's definitely a real treat. And, and, and you know, and uh, back to our conversation about, like, are you as accurate as can be? No, not there, because Sonny never sang Dark Lady. So I kind of, I mean, I sort of, you know, in Sonny's, a little bit of Sonny's voice get to sing it however I, I kind of want mm-hmm. within, yeah, w- reason. within, the, within yeah. reason, within the parameters of what our music director uh, will allow, <laughs> Andrew Resnick will allow me to do. <laughs> Sonny as Cher would be an interesting new direction. Oh, wow. It's a missed opportunity. Ooh. I was just going to say that. <laughs> the Cher show, too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. Thank it's great to talk so to you guys much. and you. keep oh, rocking you. it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you. The Share Show is currently playing on Broadway at the Neil Simon Theater. Whether you are a longtime fan of Billboard on Broadway or a first-time listener, subscribing to Billboard on Broadway is a great idea, as is giving us lots of nice stars and reviews on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the podcast also on platforms like Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you're a fan, you can always find me on Twitter at Rebecca Millsoff, on Instagram at YouDownWithRMM. You can always tweet about Billboard on Broadway with the hashtag Billboard on Broadway and hope to have you back for the next episode. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 